Well, well, back in the big chair, it seems. That's right, it's Members Only Dave, and you're listening to the finest radio program under the sun, or the moon for that matter. It's Massacre Radio on this, the, let me see here, I had it somewhere, the 33rd episode. Wow, blinking you miss it, I tell you, they grow up so fast. Anyway, today on the show I'll be joined by the directors of the film Hunt Her, Kill Her, Greg Swinson and Ryan Thiessen. That's right, two dudes at the same time, man. As we'll be discussing the movie as well as Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones, it says here. So we'll get to all that and more coming up after this. Come on, let's pump it up now. You're listening to Massacre Video. So you think you're gonna cross me and mess with my shit? Opening your fucking trap and flapping your lip? Oh, fuck with me, nigga. You're gonna get dropped. I'll snap off your neck with a crackle and pop. If you say anything, you'll beg me to die. Because I'll make you suck my dick, then I'll nut in your eye. I'll stomp on your world as if my name was Godzilla. I'm coming for you, motherfucker. I'm your crazy eyes killer. You know? And I'm gonna be like this in the, in the video. Like, WKMA Cleveland. NHD2 Station. Yeah, that's right. You're locked into Massacre Radio. And joining me now on the Massacre Radio hotline, which you too can call at 440-941-8585. Fill my eyes with that double vision. I'm joined now by both Greg Swinson and Ryan Thiessen, directors or co-directors of the film Hunter Kill Her. Thank you so much for your time today. How are you guys doing? Doing good. How are you, sir? Pretty, pretty, pretty good. Okay, so, fellas, I got to tell you, this is a first for me here on Massacre Radio, having two guests on at the exact same time. So when I ask you these questions, they are for both of you. Either of you can jump in at any time or follow up with something after the other has answered. It's a very free-flowing show here on Massacre Radio, you know what I'm saying? So the film is titled Hunt Her, Kill Her, and I know you guys like the simplicity of the home invasion-type movies, you know, stuff like Home Alone and House Arrest. I also kind of got a Panic Room vibe with the film. Just in general, though, why do you think the home invasion theme works so well, and what are some other theatrical influences you were drawing from while developing it? Well, for the home invasion part, uh, I think it's just that um, invasion of your security. You know, even though this took place in a workplace, and she's new to the workplace, it's still sort of like it's her area. And people coming in, invading that is always sort of a something that can happen in real life. And it just it's kind of one of those universal fears of people invading your sort of your sanctuary. You know, the film is more in the vein of confrontational horror that focuses more on storytelling than the, quote, socially conscious, watered-down horror, so to speak. So did it ever cross your mind, or did you give much consideration into making something that was socially conscious with his narrative it, it wasn't really um up front it was more of something that i think that it developed as the film sort of took on a life of its own uh where we kind of thematic stuff will come out but but it's not something we set out to do so to speak it's more let's make something that can be exciting that can be fun to watch i think subconsciously a lot of these a lot of things just kind of come out from you know universal fears and things that are just happening in everyday life now so you didn't really have those themes in mind, but as you progressed with the film, they became naturally more self-evident, huh? Exactly, exactly. It's like if I try to write a theme, it's just on the nose and just you sort of focus on it more than focus on what really needs to happen for the story. When you let it kind of come out on its own, 
seems to play a lot better. I almost feel that in some ways the film is kind of a throwback to the early 2000s extreme horror, you know, which is a genre or subgenre of horror that didn't get much respect back in the day. So I want to ask you, what are some subgenres of film in your guys' mind you don't think get enough respect these days? Well, I'm a big fan of slasher films. And I think that's one that, even though it's sort of a little resurgence with the Halloween remakes and, and Scream is continuing to push out sequels, and those are obviously have Hollywood behind them, but I think they kind of became the laughing stock, and, and not not so much uh, without reason with some of the ones in the late 80s and early 90s, and it kind of died out. But some of the early ones and some of the ones that kind of shaped the that subgenre, there's a lot more to them than I think a lot of people kind of remember. Yeah, and I would jump, I would say, I mean, I, I love slasher films as well, but I really, really love like the survival horror films where someone gets, you know, whether it's in the backwoods or somewhere isolated and remote. And it's really like the experience of going through this film is going to change this person forever. I mean, the most classic example, obviously, is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. But I don't know if any film has really lived up to kind of the, the survival aspect of that one created so that, that's more my but and kind of that played into hunter killer even i mean she has to survive the film we really tried to put her through the ringer so that she comes out the other end having kind of survived this huge ordeal fellas the movie now based on all the credits i could find you two are largely enjoying working together it seems how do you two maintain a working collaborative relationship and make it successful at that um, so Greg and I actually started working together in high school. We met, well, before high school, but Greg was shooting a straight-to-video version of Mortal Kombat on his dad's VHS camera. And I came over and we started working together. And it kind of evolved. You know, we, we were doing lots of different backyard movies and, you know, whatever, just around Greg's uh, house at the time. And it really evolved into, like, uh, Greg and I realized that we both really enjoyed this a lot more than say any of our other friends sort of were there just have a good time and they'll be in them and whatever, do whatever. But we really wanted to sort of start crafting pictures together. It really just went from there. Uh, we both, you know, went off to college, but still kept working together, trying to get a project off the ground. And, and then in 2005, we finally decided to make a feature film and really that solidified sort of how our partnership works and that Greg starts with the writing and kind of leads the creative on the pre-production and, and, Helms the, the beginning part of the project. Then we work together on the co-directing. I sort of take over in post-production because I'm really love editing and, and pulling the project together in the end. And so we, of course, the whole process is collaborative through all that, but sort of who takes lead on what. Basically working this way since high school and it seems to work, so we just keep at it. couple more questions about teamwork here, then we'll move on, guys. How do you work through any problems that might come up while shooting or, you know, in pre- or post-production? I mean, you guys probably have had your fair share of kerfuffles, but have you guys ever had a knockdown, drag-out type fight? I mean, a shouting match or anything even? Uh, no, we've never had a knockdown, drag-out yelling match. Um, I don't think either one of us really have that personality type, honestly. But um, really, it's about serving the story because, uh, you know, Greg incepts the project from the script level and we collaborate through all that, but he's the head, you know, he's the writer on it. And so really, if there's a question, it's more of like, because we work out a lot of like story problems and how things are going to be done and the way we write stuff, it's not just, oh, this is what needs to happen in the story. It's like, okay, but how are we going to pull that off? We really kind of figure out a lot of that stuff early on. And then when it comes time to executing it and, and shooting it, you know, there can be some, I would say, more miscommunications where I have some in my head and he's like, well, this is more what I intended. And I'm like, oh, OK, but it made me think of this and he may actually like the way I thought about it. So the better solution sort of 
comes out on its own between us. I mean, we both recognize, oh, yeah, this was the better way to go on that. Okay, so we've established that you two don't shout at each other, which is good, but talk about some of the biggest problems you have ran into together during the creative process, you know, leading up to the motion picture. Is there anything really else out there besides securing funding? Uh, funding seems to be sort of the, the biggest thing and that, I mean, we've basically made two movies with very little budget. We self-funded both of them. It just, that creates a lot of barriers trying to get people onto the project, you know, like Natalie Terzino, our lead actress, they're pretty, uh, well, every day as well. So on a typical day, there were just four of us there. We just get the equipment out, set up, you know, start shooting. And then it just becomes really exhausting, I guess, by the end of the day, because you have three people doing everything. And we did bring in other crew members and cast members for bigger days. So it wasn't just us the whole time, but it's just stuff like that. Yeah. This sort of lack of resources, just you have to just sort of bootstrap it and make it happen yourself. Now that's interesting. You know, the whole four people on set thing, because it reminds me of when we had Frank Hennenlotter on the show and he was telling me about shooting the stop motion sequences of the film basket case all alone, you know? So that's something. Um, yeah, that's probably the biggest thing is really just the money sort of leads to other challenges whereas if you have a little bit of a budget, those aren't nearly as big of challenges. Well, since we're on the topic and I did mention it, I got to ask, what are some of the more creative ways you two have managed to raise money for a film? What are some of the more circuitous paths you've traversed along your way? (laughs) Um, Well, actually, like I said, our first two features were self-funded. The production side of it costs, I mean, we spent probably a little under $5,000 and all payments are deferred, that kind of stuff. Everybody on the film works. It's deferred payments. We're basically paying for food and, and any sort of hard costs that we have there, uh, props that we don't already have, stuff like that. Moving uh, moving forward, we actually are trying to do a project with a little bit of money, and we, we raise that really just friends and family going out to, to people and asking. You know, they've seen our, what we've done through the years, and we proposed another project, and we're able to, to get that. But it was really just people we knew and asked for personal investments and so we don't, I mean, that's a great question. And I think that's the question that every project and every filmmaker has to take on with, you know, every time they try to do something. Okay. So it's my understanding that Hunt Her Killer had a pretty successful theatrical run from what I've gathered. Just talk a little bit about the theatrical experience from getting it onto the big screen as compared to only streaming and how important that was, as well as the positive reception it got once it was showing. So when we made the film, uh, we knew that it would be kind of, you know, it's a, it's a lower budget film. You don't have a lot of star power or anything like that in it. Really, when we were making it, it was like, it would be great if it can land on streaming, get a digital release. You know, that was sort of the big goal. And then we can build upon that for, for future projects. However, then when we started talking to Welcome Villain Films, is the, the company that picked it up, and they originally pitched it as, yeah, we'll probably put it in a few markets in theaters like New York, LA type thing, big cities to really just sort of get help with the marketing and, and get it out there. We were like, that's awesome. It'll be playing in theaters somewhere. That's fantastic. We had another meeting with them and they were like, um, so we're thinking about 50 theaters. And we were like, what? <laughs> like, really? And they're like, yeah, yeah. We decided we're going to, we're going to expand it a little bit. And like, wow, that's, that'll be awesome. You know, and they, they even offered, we're out of Knoxville, Tennessee, and they offered to to put it in our local Knoxville theater. We're like, that's amazing. So then as we started getting closer to the actual release day, you know, we're kind of looking online and seeing theaters, more and more and more theaters popping up. And they actually ended up putting it out in like 150 plus theaters. And I mean, that's still a very limited release, but yeah, it was like, wow, we have arrived. (laughs) This is amazing. 
Now, one of you two guys actually mentioned to me before we got started today that you had a funny story about the movie premiere you wanted to share. What was that all about? So a bunch of the audience was people that knew people in the movie or were in the movie. So everybody sat through the end credits, which our credits, since we have relatively few people in them, you know, everybody kind of gets their own little slide, so to speak. And so like... Like makeup, you know, Caitlin, Diane, our makeup artist, she'd come up and people would like clap because Caitlin's right here in the audience with her family and whatever. So people would clap and then somebody else would come and they'd clap for them. We got up, you know, and then it ended. We got up to leave and some people behind me were like, oh, that was pretty good. And the other guy was like, yeah, but I thought it was based on a true story. <laughs> and I, was, I turned around, I was like, wait, these people aren't, like, these are just people that came to see the movie. I'm like, what the heck were they thinking through the whole end credit? Like, everybody's like, oh, you know what? Makeup was pretty good. Yeah, yeah, I'll give that person a applause. Like, they realize the people who made it are sincere around them, but anyway. I'll stop you there. We're going to take a brief time out here on Massacre Radio and be back with more from Greg Swinson and Ryan Thiessen after this. Oh, man, you're not going to believe this, but I think I see Gary Coleman over there on the bench. What do you mean, bro? He passed away like 15 years ago. He's history. <coughs> no, man. I got to go say hi to him. This is incredible. Here, hold my bong. Gary Coleman. <coughs> is that you, man? What are you doing here, bro? We thought you were dead or something. I returned from the dead to kick your sorry ass. Aw, see, dude? He's getting aggressive. We gotta get out of here. Gary, listen to this. It might mail you out, man. You know, if they got a little hole, maybe I'll fucking punch oh, a little hole. Oh, <laughs> Gary, it's Massacre Radio on WKMA Cleveland. <coughs> It's an HD2 station. Sure it is. You can leave now. Oh my god, Gary just fell over, man. Leave him. We better split. Come on, let's go. Will someone make sure my ass isn't showing? <coughs> Unfortunately, it is, Gary. It's only fair that I show you my ass now. Here, what do you think? Shit! <coughs> Massacre Radio. You're listening to Massacre Radio. Because commercial radio just can't cut it. Massacre Radio on WKMA Cleveland, an HD2 station. Yes, you're dialed into Massacre Radio right here on WKMA Cleveland, an HD2 station. If you're just joining us, my guest today... That's right, I say guests because there's two of them. Greg Swenson and Ryan Thiessen are my guests, directors of the film Hunt Her, Kill Her. Okay, so let's get back to the film now. Coming off the theatrical success and achieving your dreams, so to speak, how do you not get too full of yourself moving forward or, you know, rest on your laurels even? What is it that keeps your foot to the floor in the driver's seat, so to speak? Um, well, staying hungry, I think, isn't really an issue for, for us. We more see it as, like, we have actually sort of a backlog of projects that we'd like to do. It's just we can't. We haven't been able to raise the funding for them. So Hunter Killer was something that we were able to make on our own. Um, a family member owned the factory, and so we could use it free reign. And so we, uh, Greg wrote a movie for that location, and we, we shot it because we could get that done. But basically, we're just trying to use now the momentum that we are able to generate off the release of Hunter Killer to, like I said, fundraise and then do a, a little bit bigger project. And from there, hopefully we can do a little bit bigger project and really start filming these things that we'd, we'd love to shoot that we've worked on for years, over the years. You know, like Kaufman talked about that in one of his books, if you have a cool set or location available and it's not conducive to your script, work it in any way you can. In other words, use what's available to you. And that sounds exactly like what you did. And it worked out pretty well for you guys. 
yes. Um, I've not, I've not read his book, but uh, seen many interviews with him, and uh, yeah, it's just that 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 one we knew the location, so um, we were able to kind of write specific things for it all along. Our first movie was very similar, where we had what we needed for it, so we were able to kind of write, but knowing budget wise, well, I can't do this, can't do that. It's basically a big car chase the whole movie, um, but we stay inside the main character's car the whole time the camera never leaves it and it was a way to kind of hide fender bender moments where the other car would crash into it and that way we're not really having to figure out a way to damage vehicles that we have borrowed from family members um a way to keep the storytelling aspect but also in a way that um we could do it with basically no money that kind of comes up from our high school days where we have ideas yeah we're going to do this but you know, we might not have the set. We might not have, well, we build a set in the basement or something. Um, many times we built a nightclub in the basement or something. <laughs> Even before we could actually drive, we often had to have my mom be the getaway driver if we were shooting something with, you know, yeah, you pull up in the van, we're going to jump in. She was always concerned with our safety of how we quickly we were jumping in. We're like, no, you got to drive this. We're jumping. <laughs> but so we, we've always had that sort of like, well, how do we do this for like 20 bucks? So in the audio commentary for the film Hunt Her, Kill Her, you guys allude to the other works and earlier shorts. And I mean, you even mentioned earlier the shot on video Mortal Kombat you guys are working on. So I got to know, where can people find these earlier home video works? I mean, those sound pretty awesome. (laughs) Unfortunately, we didn't complete it. I mean, it was it was epic. It was Mortal Kombat, the game story from one, two and three all combined into one film. So it had tons of characters and massive but we we did not have the means at all to pull it off so yeah i mean a lot of our early stuff it just i mean it, you, you will never see it it's on a hard drive on my desk and that's about it so all that stuff basically we have a hard time creating uh we've actually tried to create a few shorts just to practice you know to, to practice the skill of filmmaking we're never able to come up with anything that's, that's worth anything every, every idea develops into like a feature idea and that's really where we we live i think is we love feature films Greg Swinson and Ryan Thiessen are my guests today on Massacre Radio. So the original title of the film, Hunt Her, Kill Her, was Night Shift. So I gotta know, what was the reasoning behind deviating from that original title? Was it because you didn't want people to confuse it with the 1982 Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton movie of the same name, perhaps? (laughs) That did come up in Google searches a lot, (laughs) as well as Stephen King's. Uh, short story book uh, yeah. on Night Shift. Well, basically, we, we started really like the name Night Shift, and we used it all through production and stuff. But then uh, we even world, you know, did our world premiere at the Chattanooga Film Festival, Night Shift. Before we world premiere, we even thought maybe we should change the title, you know, at this point, but we couldn't really think of anything, so we just went forward with Night Shift. Then we started talking to Welcome Villain. One of the things that they asked is, like, do you care if we talk about a title change? And we were like, that would be great. So, we were very open to that, especially after it world premiered. You're trying to kind of find reviews and find reactions, and you Google Night Shift, and you get everything except the movie you're looking for. <laughs> kind of like, all right, this may not be the greatest title where we, we stand out. So, yeah, it was really something that Welcome Villain brought back to us, and, and they came back with some suggestions that we all agreed that Hunter Killer was the most, sort of speaks to the, the story the best, and then also sort of that maybe aggression in the movie a little bit. That, that's where we landed. Yeah, I like how in your face it is, you know, the title, Hunter Killer. It's kind of like a I spit on your grave type of vibe, you know, at least in me anyway, you know, and I dig that. Yeah, and actually it came out in Russia recently, 
And they retitled it. Of course, international distributors can change the title whatever they want. And they changed it to Killer If You Can, which I also thought was kind of an interesting title. How much thought was put into the fact that the lead character in the film was named Karen? And I ask that because these days anymore, whether it's childish or irrational, whatever you want to call it, there seems to be this public or social understanding that the name Karen has a negative connotation. It's funny because, uh, no, um, I just named her that. And uh, I'm I'm not huge on, I guess I'm not up to speed on a lot of the internet stuff sometimes. And so... We had one of our actors was like, ah, yeah, you know, and you know, he brought up the whole meme thing. And I was like, boy, what? Because I guess we had written it back in 2018 or so. No, so it was just a uh, coincidental. It wasn't really a uh, purposely doing it. Yeah, well, we also kind of like, I mean, but that's just another thing that's gone wrong in Karen's life. Now her name is a freaking joke. So. <laughs> So we've established that you guys enjoy working together, it seems. You're kind of a dynamic duo, so to speak. And it got me thinking about other dynamic duos. So what I want to do here is just rattle off some iconic duos throughout history. And what I want you to do is tell me the name of the movie that they'd make, okay? It's supposed to be fun, and either of you can jump in on this at any time, okay? I got a few here. Let's put 60 seconds on the clock and go. Okay, Mick Jagger and Keith Richards, what would the name of their movie be? Oh, man. We're a couple of metalheads, so I'm not sure that uh, <laughs> that references. It was uh, something to do with sweat. Okay, how about this one? Peanut butter and jelly. What would that movie be called? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nothing on that one, huh? Okay, let's try this one. Chewbacca and Han Solo. Very easy. What would their movie be called? And don't say Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Okay, John Stockton and Carl Malone. John Stockton, Carl Malone. What would their movie be called? We're so bad at this. Uh, <laughs> well, I don't want to just say jazz. That's too easy. It needs like some jazz title. Okay, and on that note, we're going to wrap this up and move on here. Uh, so what's next for you guys? I take it you're working on another film or something. What can you tell us about any current or upcoming projects? Yeah, uh, yeah, we are in uh, pre-production for a film. We hope to shoot this summer. We'll see how that goes, but can't tell a whole lot about the story or anything like that. That's sort of under wraps at the moment. Uh, we are dipping our toe into the found footage format. So I'll say, say that much. It's another sort of low budget friendly format. And we feel like our story brings something sort of new to the table on that. So hopefully we'll be able to pull that off and, uh, and bring something to you next year or so. Excited about that one. Hopefully we'll get that rolling, but that's about it. Where can the good folks who are listening to this fine program find you online? Do you guys have a social media or, or a website or something? Uh, we do have a website. If you go to trauma dot one, that's our company is Trauma One Entertainment production company. Greg and I run together, and we have, of course, links to all the Hunter Killer stuff there. Uh, our distributor, Welcome Villain Films, you can go to their website and and see where you can buy and download and all that good stuff. The film, of course, we big shout out on the Blu-ray. That uh, not only is the theatrical uh, release that was super cool, but I'm really excited about the Blu-ray release. Never actually had a film come out on Blu-ray or anything like that, so I'm super pumped about the physical media release. You feel like you got a like, like it's becoming a physical object that's, a, that's so much more significant for some reason than just uh I don't know. Digital is great, but when you can hold it in your hand, that's amazing. I'm on social media, uh, Instagram, Facebook, whatever at Trauma One Ryan. Feel free to 
to say hi if you if you want on social media. Greg Swinson and Ryan Thiessen have been my guests today. The name of the film is Hunt Her, Kill Her, Go Grab the Blu-ray. So how about it, fellas? How was talking to a big-time radio guy? Was it everything you guys expected or what? Yeah, no, it was first. fantastic. Uh, I was just going to say it's first for us for actual radio guy. Guys, thank you so much for your time, and thanks for joining me today on Massacre Radio. All the best to you in the future, all right? You too. All right, thank you, sir. Massacre Radio. Oh, thanks again to my guests, Greg Swinson and Ryan Thiessen. See, the whole time I thought it'd be tough taking on two dudes at once. Those guys are great. They made it easy for me. It's like shooting fish in a wine bar. Anyway, thank you for listening. I've been your host, Members Only Dave, and I'll talk at you next week. Oh, hey, I'm still here. Uh, I almost forgot to see what's up with Lil B. Let me get out my rotary phone here. Gotta dial very carefully. I don't want to make a mistake. This thing takes forever. Plus, there's a couple of nines in this number to boot. So let's see here. Uh, Okay. Hopefully he answers. I uh, would love to have him on the show. You gotta be kidding me. The number you dialed is not in service.